got me? Oh, there we go. Amen. Thank you, ladies. What a blessing that was. And, uh, you know, uh, our dear brother's presentation, I, I listened to the beginning of it, and I leaned over to my wife and said, the first time I went to um, the Nigeria, Africa, that was my alarm clock. 5 a.m. was the call to prayer. And uh, at first, I, it took me a minute when I woke up and I, I you know, was like, what is that? And uh, kind of like you are when you get woken up at 5 a.m. Where am I? Who am I? What am I? And uh, as I began to listen, I realized what it was. And I laid there and I thought to myself, you, you know, Lord, there's, there's folks that are dedicated to their belief that they will get up and spend time thinking that they are talking to you. And I said, and the truth of it is, is you love them and want them to truly know you. All it takes is labors. That's why Jesus said, pray you therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth labors. My wife reminded me that um, we flew back uh, through that part of the country on our way back from Thailand this last trip. Airline that we were on you know how they put up, when you fly international, they put up the, the little flying map, you know, where you're at in comparison and how long's it been since you left, where you, you know, boarded and how long's it going to be to your destination. And then in the bottom right-hand corner, it said time, to, time till prayer. And they put a little... Uh, compass to let them know where we were positioned in that airplane versus where they should be positioned when they pray. And I thought to myself, now this is the first time I've flown on an airline like that. But the sombering truth of it is that that is the fastest growing religion. And you understand it's a religion and not a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And yet, I'll say this kindly and carefully, but because of September 11th, a lot of people in our country have a hard time wanting to reach people like that. You listen to me. You don't get mad at me yet. I'm not preaching. My grandfather's generation had a problem with the Japanese because of December 7th. May I remind you that God so loved the world. The world. The world. And that he loves people in that part of the world and people that are blinded by Satan because that's what it is. It's a blindness. And uh, we've got to realize that we've got to do our part. And Christ loved them just like Christ loves us. What a blessing it is to understand that the gospel reaches everywhere. And so, take your Bibles, if you would, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter number 9. 2 Corinthians chapter number 9. If you're here this morning and you are visiting, I, I am not the pastor. I figured somebody in the church would say amen to that. And uh, the pastor is, is much more kind than I am and a much better preacher than I am, uh, and his hair is a, a different color than mine is, <laughs> man, and uh, 
But I do hope that if you're visiting, I hope that you will come back next week when the pastor will be preaching and hear him preach. This is a special week, a special time in the life of this church. I said it on Wednesday night. This, this meeting right now is the most important business meeting that this church will have this year. And uh, so you're deciding what your part is in people knowing about the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you have not been here all week, that's okay. I'm going to bring you a message this morning that's going to be all the package in one. I want to speak to you this morning on the subject, the center of faith promise giving. The center, C-E-N-T-E-R, the center of faith promise giving. 2 Corinthians chapter number 9, look with me if you would, verse number 6. Paul is writing to the most carnal church in the New Testament and he says this, But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. And he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart. So let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. And God is able. We could stop right there, couldn't we? God is able to make all grace abound toward you that ye always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. And again, I want to speak to you on that subject, the center of faith promise giving. Let's pray. Father, help me now for the next few minutes to be mindful of those that are in other parts of the of the church property, Lord, the other services that are taking place. But Lord, help us to take the time to do due diligence to your word. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to our hearts as we've been challenged by the presentation. Lord, what a, what a challenge it is. And very sobering for those of us who have been in other parts of the world and heard that call. Lord, may it remind us that there is still a call Lord, a call of those, if you would, from Macedonia saying, come over and help us. And so, Father, please use your word this morning. Speak to our hearts. Help us, Lord, to make decisions that we realize will affect eternity and the gospel going out. Father, I'd be remiss if I didn't pray and ask you, Lord, that if there's one here this morning that does not know you as Savior, while primarily the message will not be directed toward a salvation message, Lord, you're able to take anything that is said and direct it toward the gospel. So I pray if there's one here this morning that does not know you as Savior, that they would be willing to humble themselves and receive you as Savior today. Have your will and way in our hearts and we'll be careful to give you the honor and the glory for what you do because, Lord, you do deserve all glory and honor and praise. We love you, Lord. Help us. Amen. I read a story many years ago about, uh, remember department stores, you know, when they'd be on the main street and, and everything was shopping was on main street and it was a department store there in a square and uh, the department store had closed up for the night. But for some reason there was a monkey, someone had brought a monkey and the monkey had, had uh, gotten lost and had stayed in that department store and spent the whole night in the department store. That monkey, you understand that monkeys are curious. 
And that monkey had went around the department store and that monkey had, had uh, uh, satisfied his curiosity by changing the price tags on different things. <laughs> the next morning, the workers and customers came in and, and at first the changes were not known or noticed, but little by little, the workers and the customers began to notice that things just weren't quite so. For example, there was a baby grand piano that was priced at $1.98. But there was a box of chocolates that was priced at $6,000. See, that, that monkey went about changing the value of things in the store. For many years, the monkey called Satan has gone about throughout the stores of our life and he has changed the value of many things in our life. Yet he didn't do it overnight. He has done it so slowly and so gradually over time that most people have not realized the change in value that has taken place. So what do you mean by that, Brother Hall? Most people value that which is temporal and will not last rather than that which is eternal and will last forever. From Genesis to Revelation, we find things in Scripture according to God's eternal value. The Bible says the biggest thing that God values is God values the fact that man has the opportunity to be redeemed back to himself. That is why in the Garden of Eden, God, God began to make a way. Genesis 3, 14, 3, 16 gives us the proto-evangel verse, if you would, or the first implication of the gospel going forth. And God has a desire that mankind from all over the world, red, yellow, black, and white, they are precious in his sight, but God has a desire and value so much so that they, everyone has the opportunity Opportunity to be redeemed. If you were here the other night on Thursday night, I gave the example where I had Brother Daniel stand up here representing Christ and showing the payment that God gave to pay the sins of all mankind. I had Brother Adam stand over here to represent the world because he just looks so worldly. I had Brother Daniel Soul stand right here representing the church and I pointed out the fact that God so loved the world that he gave. He gave the payment for the sins of mankind in his only begotten son. I don't know about you, but I'm so thankful that the verse in scripture says, behold, now are we the sons of God. But I realize I'm not the begotten son of God. That is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the only begotten son of God. And God values the world's opportunity to be redeemed back to him so much so that he paid the payment. He paid the price. Wait a minute. He places the responsibility of those of us who have received the payment to make sure those of us who have not received the payment or heard of the payment have the opportunity to do so. May I ask you this question this morning? A hundred years from now, what will you value most? A hundred years from now, I'm 54 years of age. Hasipsi in Thai. 54 years of age. I don't think I'm living to be 154. 
A hundred years from now, do you know what I'm going to value? First and foremost, my salvation. There is no other name given under heaven whereby you must be saved than the name of Jesus Christ. There are not many ways to heaven. There's only one way to heaven, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. But what do we value? Sadly, we've allowed the monkey of Satan to devalue that which is eternal and cause us to swallow that which is temporal, having a higher value than that which is eternal. Now listen to me. There's three things of eternal value, and that is the soul of a man. That is the local New Testament church because the local church is Christ's bride. Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. The third thing is the word of God, what you see right here. Why is that? Because the word of God is eternal. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Everybody wonders, debates about the word of God. You don't have to worry and debate about it. God's already got it settled. Just value what he values. In these three verses Verses six, seven, and eight. We find the center or the heart of faith, promise, missions, giving. If you're gonna go to sleep on me, I'll give you the outline real quick. In verse number six, we find the principles of giving. In verse number seven, we find the purpose of the giver. And in verse number eight, we find the provision for giving. Number one, the principles of giving. In verse number six, uh, Paul writes, he says, "This is, but this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Paul is using an analogy that everybody can understand. Folks, listen to me. Giving and receiving is like sowing and reaping. Those that sow can expect to reap. Those that give can expect to receive. Right? The, the laws of sowing and reaping, number one, is we reap what we sow. We reap what we sow. You can't sow corn and expect to reap soybeans. We reap what we sow. Number two, we reap more than we sow. We reap what we sow. We reap more than we sow. Number three, we reap in proportion to how much we sow. Listen, if a, if a man plants an acre of corn and another man plants 20 acres of corn, the man that plants 20 acres of corn can expect to receive more. You know why? He's sown more. Now, listen to me. You're not gonna get a million dollar reward at the judgment seat of Christ on 10 cent investment in eternity. Hello? We reap what we sow, we reap more than we sow, we reap in proportion to how much we sow, and number four, we reap after we sow. You know, you don't plant corn today and reap corn tomorrow. There's a whole process to it. And sometimes we don't allow God to work through the process in us receiving our reward. Hey, can I tell you, ultimately my reward is not gonna be on this earth. Now, I get that I have a promise. If you've left houses and lands and mothers and fathers and sisters and all that, shall not receive a hundredfold in this life and in the life to come. I used to wonder about that until I sold everything and stepped out by faith to trust the Lord. Yeah, I told you the other night, we, when the pastor died, I had a beautiful 2,300 square foot brick home and then we left that and I moved my wife and two daughters into a 320 square foot motorhome. After a few years, we sold the motorhome. 
I'm homeless. Y'all laugh. My home for the last few nights has been Fairfield Inn. So where do you live? Well, that 2014 Toyota Venza most of the time, which thank you very much for the work that you did on that. You, you keep my home on the road. We literally do live on the road. And I used to wonder about that verse, but you know what? From the East Coast to the West Coast, I have keys or codes to people's homes. I don't hurt for a place to lay my head. And by the way, if you had a place to lay your head, you had something Jesus didn't have. I have keys and codes from homes from the East Coast to the West Coast. And now I, I, I'd say around the world because there's people around the world that say, hey, mi casa, su casa. It's great. You know why? Because I have no home maintenance. I have no house payment. I have no insurance to keep up with. I have no grass to mow. Hallelujah. I don't have to worry about shoveling the driveway if it snows. Y'all don't either. But, but, but wait a minute, if we sow to that which is temporal, then we've got to expect to reap that which is temporal. If we sow to that which is eternal, guess what? We can expect to reap that which is eternal. Do you know, if, if, um, if, if the church were to buy us a new car today, hey, thank you very much. I didn't realize y'all were thinking about that. Yeah, 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 y'all, y'all are looking, going, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but I, if, if we were to buy a new car today, how long is the car going to last? Mine's 10 years old. It's got 200, almost 250,000 miles on it. How, how long can we really expect it? 15, 20 years? I know you're going to say, well, I got a classic car. Yep. And you probably keep it in the garage with a cover over it. Huh? Really, how long can we expect? 20 years? 20 years. And yet, so many times we get so wrapped up in, I got to have a new one every three years. Hello. How long can we expect it? Let me ask you a question. How long can you expect somebody to get saved because of your investment in missions to be saved? Thank you very much forever. Once saved, always saved. Hello. All right? And so we, we don't stop and think about the principles of giving as far as sowing and reaping. Hey, listen, if you bought a new suit, fellas, how long is that suit going to last? You know, five, six years maybe, depending on how much you wear it. Listen, if you'll let me dress like I do in Thailand, a suit will last me forever here in America. But, but we stop and think about that. If I help a missionary to go to a certain part of the world and preach the gospel and somebody gets saved, well, I guess how long is that soul going to be in heaven for? Car's going to last 20 years. A suit's going to last five or six years, but a soul's going to last forever. No, no, women, which one is a better investment value? Yeah. I guess remember that the next time you look at your car and say, you know, it's about time we trade it in. Run it till the wheels fall off. And then take it to Brother Morrison. He'll put the wheels back on it. <laughs> now, now listen, the law of sowing and reaping in God's kingdom work in any geographical location. 
any geographical location. You know, the, the principles of tithes and offering are biblical principles, not cultural principles. I was telling somebody that the most dangerous time I've ever had uh, uh, overseas was one time when I was preaching a pastor's conference to a group of pastors in Haiti and, and they were talking about how much they needed my American dollar. And I looked at them, I said, no, 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 no. You have a God problem. And they looked at me and I said, Philippians 4.19 says, my God shall supply. It doesn't say my American pastor friend. My God shall supply. Huh? Now listen, that's universal. That includes right here. If you're sitting here thinking, well, you know, if, if, if I had more money, no, 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 you got a God problem. I need more of God because God has everything. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Right? Remember Wednesday night? He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He just gives me my stakes one at a time. Amen. But we see the principles of faith promise right there. It's the law of sowing and reaping. What are you going to sow to? Temporal or eternal? May I say number two? Look with me in verse number seven. We see the purpose of the giver. Verse number seven. It says, Every man, according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly of necessity, for God loveth a... Pastor Hahn will take any old grump that'll give. Yeah, we joke about that, but look at the first two words of verse number seven. What are they? Every man. Now, now y'all help me out. It doesn't take a commentary to define that. Who, who should be a part of this? I guess scripturally it says every man. And by the way, Paul's just reiterating what he told them in 1 Corinthians chapter 16 where he said in there, let every one of you. Hey, can I ask you a question? Are you saved this morning? Are you saved this morning? Are you saved this morning? I guess if you're saved, who should be a part of it? Every man. Every man that's a part, man, mankind, every person, everyone that is saved and a part of this local New Testament church ought to be a part of it. That's what the Bible says. Don't, don't get mad at me. Paul said, every man. We just look for ways of excuses. It's kind of like temptation. There's no temptation taking you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not tempt you above that which you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape. You know what too many of us do? We're not looking for the escape door. We're looking for the excuse door. And when it comes to investing in eternity, we're not looking for God. Let me step out by faith and just trust you. We're looking for the excuse well, I, I would, Pastor. You don't answer to him. You answer to him. Right. The purpose. What is the purpose? Look back in verse number seven. Every man, notice, as he what? Purposeth in his what? Heart. Now, let me ask you a question. What was the purpose for Christ coming to earth? What was the purpose for Christ living a sinless life? 
What was the purpose for Christ dying on an old rugged cross? What was the purpose for Christ resurrecting three days later from the dead? What was the purpose for, for Christ doing all that he did? What was the purpose? That's right, for you and I. So why is it we have a hard time realizing that he did so much for us doing so little for him? Don't, don't get mad at me for saying that. Because all I got to do is look at your checkbook and I'll tell you what you value. I often say, or used to say when I pastored, I used to say, now listen, when I die, y'all bury me at Walmart. So my wife is guaranteed to come visit me at least three times a week. But, but the truth of it is, is, is we see the purpose right there. What do you purpose in your heart? Listen, 32 years ago, I purposed in my heart that I was going to marry Amber Joy Elliott. I stepped out by faith, scared to death, bought the ring. And you took her out. I say took her out. I actually just proposed to her at my parents' house. I was so romantic. <laughs> she said yes, and it's all been downhill from there as far as my romanticism. Yeah. But, 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 but we stop and think about that. There's things that we do that we purpose to do. You know where it starts? It starts in our heart. So what do you purpose in your heart? The purpose of giving is so that all the world can hear the gospel and have the opportunity to accept or reject Christ like you and I have had the opportunity. Do you understand Calvary shows us that picture? Christ is in the middle. Acceptance was on one side. Rejection was on the other. There is no middle ground with Christ. It is accept or reject. So many times we get on the fence when it comes to the purpose of what God has for us. May our hearts be stirred to be purposed like Christ's life was purposed or he purposed his life to give his life a ransom for many. You understand a ransom is something given in exchange for something else. Christ ransomed his life in exchange for us. My question is, what are you ransoming your life for? You can spend your life however you want to, but you'll only spend it once. And you'll have to purpose in your heart that you're going to spend your life fulfilling God's purpose and not your purpose. The truth of it is, is everything important in our life was preceded by us purposing in our heart to do it. Getting the gospel to the uttermost, making him known to the uttermost parts of the earth should be so valued and so important in our life that we purpose in our heart that we're willing to do whatever God asks us to do. You know, I told the young people on, on Friday, I did the high school chapel, and, and I told them, I said, look, you're looking at a sissy missionary. I get your attention now, don't I? I told them, I said, uh, I like air conditioning. Y'all like air conditioning? Does it get hot in Columbus in August? Huh? Y'all turn the air off or you turn the air up? 
Yeah, you turn it up. Let's make it cooler. Make it colder. You know why? Because you like creature comforts too. Yeah. I told the young people, I said, listen. I said, uh, I said, so many times, sadly, you've watched missionary presentations. You've seen grass huts and dirt floors. And that's their viewpoint of what the mission field is. I said, no, it's not. I said, I have air conditioning. I have indoor plumbing. I said, our distribution center is five kilometers from a mall that's larger than the Mall of America. I looked at those kids. I said, how, how many of you like coffee? How many of you like Starbucks? That's what they did. I looked at them. I said, I have my choice of three Starbucks at the mall. Future Park, five kilometers. I said, the mission feels great. But you got a purpose in your heart of what God wants, not what you want. Because there are still challenges. They don't look like you. They don't speak like you. Hmm? They'll say things to you. Asian people are very blunt. If you're easily offended, don't come with me to Asia. They came up the first time we went. I was, I was much heavier the first time we went. I was a pastor. <laughs> I'm leaving. I'm leaving. <laughs> hey, he knows what it is. Because y'all will make a, a pie or dessert or something. Oh, pastor, we made an extra one for you. And then he's like, I have to eat it. Yeah, you know. Are you guilt tripping for not? No, I really can't eat it. I'm trying to watch what. But pastor, you know all the work that I put in to make this for you. All right. And, uh, but uh, the, the, the first time we went, I was, I was bigger, I was heavier. The kids were coming up and, and I was like, oh, they're so sweet. They're hugging me. My wife looked at me and she goes, they're not hugging you, they're measuring you. <laughs> and I thought, really, what? And then a lady in the church, she came up to me and she looked at me and she goes, you fat. <laughs> I sat there and I thought to myself, well, I know what I signed up for when I surrendered. But wait a minute, purpose in your heart. Why? Because God values their soul purpose in your heart. The purpose for giving is what you purpose in your heart. The Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. According to Matthew chapter number six is what we eat, what we drink, and what we wear. Everybody's so worried about what's for Sunday dinner. I don't know. Miss Hahn told me if I preach short, we'll go someplace to a nice sit down dinner. If I preach long, we're going to KFC so we can get it to go. Samuel and I agreed we like McAllister's. I said, McAllister's is kind of like fast food, so I'll preach in between. <laughs> the Bible says in Luke chapter 16, if you've not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? L listen, wisdom is better than rubies. Amen. Understanding is better than silver, right? Wisdom Knowledge, understanding, discretion, discernment. Wisdom is the principal thing. With all that getting, get understanding. God values wisdom more than he does money. Amen. That's a true riches. 
Well, we always look at greenback. You know, God's not up in heaven worried about inflation of the United States. God's, oh, I wonder what the Dow Jones is going to do on Monday. Do, do you know the streets right out here? They got blacktop. Y'all got blacktop streets? Do you know God, God's so rich that he says, I'm not worried about blacktop asphalt. I'm so rich, I'll pave it with gold. I ever get worried about it, I say, Lord, the streets in heaven, they starting to get a little worn out, broken on the sides. Just send some of that broken asphalt my way. Huh? That's five dollars. No, I'm teasing. Where was I? I've got to start all over. No, I'm teasing. We see, we see number one, the, the principles of giving. Number two, the purpose of the giver. May I say number three, the provision. The provision, verse number eight. Notice, notice what it says. And God is what? God is what? God is what? You know, if I only had three words of scripture, I want it to be those three words. God is able. God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. God is able to make all grace abound toward you that ye always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. God's able, but is he willing? He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He is willing to do many things according to our obedience. He is able, but that doesn't necessarily mean he's willing unless we're obedient. The Bible says in Psalm 78, the children of Israel asked, can God furnish a table in the wilderness? And he did. He did. But wait a minute, Psalm 78 also says that the children of Israel, they turned back and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. You know what the children of Israel did? They said, no, we're not taking that step, next step of faith. They turned back. And you limit God when you will not take the next step of faith that he wants you to take. Folks, listen to me. I've said it so many times this week. He doesn't ask you to leap tall buildings. But he does ask you to take one more step of faith. Because whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. God's not asking us to give because he's incapable of doing it. You remember Wednesday night? God was providing for Elijah long before the widow woman came into play. But the widow woman needed God to come through. So he sends Elijah, he dries up the brook, sends Elijah to Zarephath, not so that Elijah can be taken care of, but so that the widow woman can decide to take that step of faith and see God come through for her. Listen to me. I'd hate for God to have to get you down to your last meal before you'd be willing to take a step of faith and truly trust him. Pastor, it always, it has always boggled my mind that we who have never seen Jesus and never been to heaven have no problem placing our faith in him for that but we sure do seem to have a hard time placing our faith and trust in him because of this 
He is able. The provision of giving is not necessarily who you are, it's who he is. Now he's going to use what you have, but he does so as a test of our faith and our obedience to see if we are willing to make our purposes his purposes and his purposes become our purposes because if we seek him first all these things shall be added unto you Luke 16 11 says this and I'll start wrapping up and be done because I want to go to a sit down dinner If therefore you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And Philippians 4.19 says, My God shall supply, my God shall supply all your need according to. Doesn't say out of. It says according to. God says in verse number eight that he is able to make all grace abound for you that ye having all sufficiency. In other words, what we need. He does take care of us. And he will supply all of our need, not our greed. What do you value? What does God value? God values you and your soul. He gave the very best that heaven had so that you could have an easy way to heaven. When we look at him so many times and say, Lord, this is hard. Way of transgressors is hard. Way of faith is just obedience and trust. Is he able? He is able. You heard testimony, the presentation. I don't know about you, but I was like, man. Hey, it challenged me. You know why? God's no respecter of persons. Y'all, y'all take this for however you want to take it. But I said, I sit there and said, now Lord, I'm a Georgia redneck just like he is. I was like, and you're no respecter of persons. You do this for him. I was like, Lord, there's a whole lot more countries I'd like to get scripture to. All it takes is money. And a willingness to step out by faith and trust him. My prayer is that you will get involved in what God values and not what we value. I close with this, verse number seven. As he purposeth, what's the next three words? In his heart. In his heart. What's in your heart? What's in your heart to do for the Lord? Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray you'd help us. Lord, I I grew up, and you know this, I grew up in a church where they talked about missions twice a year. Lord, we gave the missions in June and December. Lord, it was a, I was a teenager before I found out that we were given to two ladies that were already dead. Lord, it confused me. And yet here this week, these people 
especially these young people, have had a chance to see, interact with real life missionaries that have purposed in their heart to value what you value or to leave their home and their native country to step out by faith to reach people in another part of the world because you love them. I pray you'd help us this morning, Lord, to examine our hearts, to see if our purposes line up with your purposes. Lord, may we value what you value. May we do what it is you would have us to do. Have your will and way in our hearts this morning. We ask in your precious name. Pastor, would you come? You go ahead and stand with me and as a pianist.